Thank you for taking the time to listen to this recording of a sermon from St. Stephen's Anglican Church in Christchurch. This is just to inform you that at about 14 minutes there's a two-minute gap in the recording due to our recording equipment malfunctioning. Uh, Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians, uh, from chapter 5, reading from verses 15 through to 21. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Miriam, thank you very much indeed. Friends, a very good morning. Uh, Let me add my welcome to uh, Miriam's earlier. It's lovely to see you, especially if you're visiting with us. We're continuing a little series in Ephesians. And uh, if you have your Bible open, do keep it there. Uh, let's, it's Trinity Sunday, so let's say a prayer for Trinity Sunday as we begin. God of unchangeable power, you have revealed yourself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Keep us firm in this faith that we may praise and bless your holy name. And we ask that you would speak to us now that we might know you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For you are the one God, now and forever. Amen. I took my kids uh, to the park yesterday, and there was a kind of, uh, it wasn't actually a balance bar, it was a wall, but it was a bit like a balance bar, and uh, it was really interesting watching them walk along the, the wall, desperately trying not to fall off one side or the other. I'm sure you, you, you know that if you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle or something. And uh, it was interesting to look at their faces. Normally they just run around, don't they? Walk around. Intensely concentrating, one foot in front of the others. Well, that's a little picture of what Paul is urging us to do this morning. Look at verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, or literally how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. As you go about your business, Paul says, be like a child on a balance bar. Be intentional. Be careful. Watch your step. Now, we just need to remember where we are in Ephesians this morning. We're in a section of instructions, exhortations. And it began in chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul said, live a life, or or again, walk in a way, worthy of the calling you've received. It can sound like he's just piling on instruction after instruction, but he's told us some amazing truths that we once were under God's wrath. We were full of sin and shame, and yet Jesus has made us alive. He's raised us up, seated us in the heavenly realms, made us a part of his family, and so live a life worthy of that calling. And this is part of it. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And to live as wise means to live in the light of what God has done. It means to uh, live in the light of the way God has run, has set up the world. He says another thing in verse 17. Uh, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And we need to see what the will of the Lord is in Ephesians. If, you, if you've got your Bible, turn back to chapter 1, where we're told twice, I think in, in verse 5, I've only written one down, in verse 5 and I think verse 14, that we've been predestined 
to be adopted as his children. We've been, from before the beginning of time, his will was that we would be his children and that we would be part of his family and live in a way that reflects that. And then in chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to bring all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's where the world's going. God's will is that everything will be united under Christ. And to walk wisely, to know his will and not be foolish, is to walk in line with that. If the universe is heading to a climax with the united church at the centre of it, if we are either in that as God's dear children or outside of it as his enemies, live in a way that reflects that. Either be reconciled to God or if you are reconciled to God, live as his children. Not to do that is foolish. In a few weeks' time, it'll be uh, the school holidays. I know some of you are looking forward to uh, a well-deserved break. We'll just wind on a few weeks. And imagine I'm taking a holiday, and uh, in the morning I'm about to go to the airport and jump on a plane. And so Charlie says to me, well, look, I'll pack the cases. Why don't you um, go down to the supermarket and get us some sausages and chips for dinner? Well, imagine I get down to Countdown, and as I walk in through the, the fruit and veg section, I see a lovely lettuce. Oh, that's a lovely lettuce. I put it in my basket. And there's some lovely strawberries and some just-ripe mangoes. And by the time I get to the checkout with my sausage and chips, I've also got two bags full of um, perishables. What is Charlie going to say when I get home? You fool. We're, we're going on a plane tomorrow. That's all going to end up in the bin. Why on earth did you do that? And you see, that is wisdom. Oh, that's not wisdom. Wisdom is living in the light of what's going to happen. We don't need a PhD in order to be wise, to know how to live in God's world. Live in the way, in light of what God is doing, and bring our lives into conformity with it. We sometimes use the word, uh, what is the Lord's will, in the sense of, there's two senses. One is the general will, which we've just talked about. His will for all people, that uh, all people come to know Christ and live in a godly way. And then there's a sense of a specific will. What does he want me to do in a particular situation? Who does he want me to marry? What job should I do? And we haven't got time to think about the specifics of that. But it's interesting how this general will, God's will for the universe, fills down into the specifics. And in between verses 15 and 17 comes a very specific instruction. Live as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And if we know the will of God, we are to use our time well. Make the best use of our time. There are so many disparities, aren't there, in life. Some people are very wealthy. Others of us don't have much money. Some people are very, very clever, and others not so much. Some are very sporty or, or, or pretty or musical. Others not so much. But when it comes to time, each one of us has exactly the same amount 24 hours in each day, 60 minutes in each hour. And every single one of them is a gift from God. And so he says, use them well. Use them wisely in the light of what I'm doing in the world. Because the days are evil. I take it that means that uh, we're in the last days and it's only a matter of time before Jesus comes. So until he comes and uh, sets his plan into effect, use the time well. It's really interesting, isn't it? We live in a time where everyone is busy. 
if you if you got here early and you, you've chatted to a few people already and you ask them how are you doing i'm sure somebody said to you i'm well but i'm busy it's almost like a greeting isn't it i'm busy we live in an unprecedented time of busyness and yet we've never had such a great opportunity to fritter away our time pull out my smartphone and oop, 30 minutes is gone as i've looked at facebook or, or, or twitter or, or or the news uh i've got netflix all within the blink of an eye i've watched three three of my series without thinking about it we're so busy and yet we're so able to fritter our time away Jonathan Edwards is or was a great preacher and theologian whom God used mightily in the 18th century uh, in, in a great revival. And when he was approaching manhood, he uh, sorry adulthood, he um, wrote a series of resolutions. They're quite fascinating to read. But one of them was this: uh, resolved never to lose one moment of time, but to improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Now, we might think that formally writing out resolutions is a bit earnest, but do you see the intentionality? Like a child on a balance bar, it won't happen without some intention. And so Jonathan Edwards takes it. Well, I wonder, are we using our time wisely in the light of God's plan for the universe? If uh, all things will be united in the church, if the church is to be the place where we love one another and build each other up, It's the place where we shine God's light out into the world that others might come into the church. Is that reflected in our diaries? Is that reflected in our plans for this week? One of the ways I've been challenged by this passage is um, I'm conscious that in the morning I I wake up and I've got 30 minutes before uh, my kids get up to read my Bible. And I get up and I I make a a cup of coffee. And as I'm doing, I redeem the time. I make the best use of the time. I pull out my phone and I read the news headlines. But so quickly that slides. And so easily I'm I'm suddenly from my news headlines and my coffee's made to reading my email. And if I'm not careful, that 30 minutes is gobbled up. And I read this and it, it struck me in the heart. I need to change that. And I wonder what it is that the Lord is saying to you this morning. Do ask me in a few weeks, are you still reading the news with your coffee? Because I know I'll backslide. Be wise. Understand the Lord's will. Make the most use of our time. And I take it, God says, it's not to whip us. It's not urging us, work harder, do more. Although for some it might be that. For others it might be, do less. Why are you pouring your time into that thing that will not last? Why are you overworking and, and not spending time with your kids? Why are you doing all freedom away time over there when, when there's a friend who you'd love to see make the most use of our time well the next instruction comes slightly out of the blue don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit it's an odd thing isn't it why is he suddenly thinking about drunkenness Well, in part, it's a symbol, I think, of our old life. Remember last week he talked about the darkness and the light. It's a symbol of life in the dark. But I think also alcohol lubricates sin. Drunkenness leads to debauchery. And there's a sense that uh, the more we drink, the break comes off and other sins come out. And uh, Paul is saying, don't do that. Rather, be filled with the Spirit. Now, we need to be careful. It's a slightly odd contrast. What I don't think he's saying is that the kind of Christian way to get drunk is to be filled with the spirits. Get off your mind with the spirit. That's not what he's saying. 
But just as alcohol lubricates sin, so the Holy Spirit lubricates godliness. As we're filled with the Spirit, it results in godliness. And you see, this is a clear command for the whole Christian community, for each one of us this morning, and for all of us collectively, be filled with the Spirit. And the way that the word is, it's not a one-off experience. It's go on being filled with the Spirit. Now, to understand what this means, we need to just do a bit of thinking about the Holy Spirit. We need to remember he's a person. He's a he and not an it. Because the way that Paul's put this leads many people to think that the Holy Spirit's like a liquid. Don't be drunk, but be filled up with the Spirit. It it sounds like he's the gas in our petrol tank. And we kind of run a bit spiritually low, and so we we get topped up by him to keep going. But that's not the image at all. All of us have the Spirit. We All of us have all of the Spirit. Uh, Romans 8, verse 9, if you're taking notes, is a really helpful verse here, where Paul says this, you however, you, however, talking to Christians, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. If you're a Christian this morning, you have the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about that you have him i wonder if two illustrations help us here if my mother-in-law comes to stay then she comes to stay all of her she gets off the plane and she comes to stay i can't have two-thirds of my mother-in-law some of us would quite like that wouldn't we but uh, if your mother-in-law comes to stay, all of her comes to stay uh, just for the record and the tape that i don't personally think that but some people here do He's a spirit, we have, he's a person, we have all of him. But I wonder if this illustration also helps us. Imagine in your house that there's a, a stereo in your hallway and it's playing the most beautiful music and you want the music to fill your whole house. Well, what do you do? You open the doors, don't you? You, you clear out the blockages so that the, the, the music can get everywhere into your house. Well, in the same way, we are to open all the doors of our house, so to speak, and let the spirit move his influence everywhere and it may just be in God's sovereignty he decides to turn up the music a notch or two and and there's a particularly strong sense of the love of Christ speaking to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing and making music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and you see, there are three groups of marks here. We, we sing to one another and to God. We give thanks to God the Father and we submit to one another. That's how we know if we're spirit-filled, if we're doing those things. And let's just very briefly look at each one in turn. I take it that singing, in part, refers to what we're doing now, Sunday morning. But it's much broader than that. We're to speak the truth to each other. It doesn't really matter the difference between psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. But do you see there are directed at each other we are to build one another up with them i'm so grateful for the way that erin and grace choose songs not just with great music but with great words and as we 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 sing with the great music the great words are addressed to each other and we build each other up it's sometimes said that the uh, secret weapon of the reformation was hymn singing 
that the reformers preached the gospel and then they wrote hymns. And as Christians sung them, as our, our forebears sung them, they, they praised God in their hearts, but they built each other up and taught each other the truths of the gospel that had been forgotten for so long. Well, a sign that we're spirit-filled is that we do that. We speak these words to each other. When we worked in Japan, there were various churches that just looked very spiritually sleepy, and they uh, just didn't seem to have much spiritual life. And I remember very vividly once going to a conference, and uh, the speaker asked, what would you do with these churches? And as quick as a flash, somebody said, they need to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, somebody began to tease out, what do you mean by that? And at the end of a few minutes, it was clear he meant they need lively music. And that's just not what this is talking about. It's not about how lively the music is. You can have a very lively church. You go to a concert and be moved in your heart, but not, be, not by the Spirit, because the Spirit works as we address these songs to one another. I'll take it you have a very boring church service, and it'd be absolutely filled with the Spirit as we spoke the truth to each other. I take it this means that what we do is not private. I don't know if you ever had the experience of looking around during the song. Sometimes you slightly awkwardly catch somebody's eye. Let's not be embarrassed about that. It's a great thing. We're building each other up. We're encouraging each other. It doesn't mean you have to do that. But if you like to do that, feel free to do it. But we're not just talking to each other. We're talking to the Lord. And he says, make music in your hearts to the Lord. I don't think that means do it quietly, although it might mean that, so much as do it with your whole heart. I wonder if you've ever caught yourself, maybe you've done it this morning, and you're singing to the Lord in church, and yet your mind's not there. It's like driving sometimes. How did I get here? I just drove without even thinking about it. And this would say the mark of the Spirit is we do it with our whole hearts, that we're not just singing some random words, we're singing to the Lord of the universe. As we sing again in a moment, if, if you're thinking about your Sunday lunch or, or, or who that person is over there, well, catch yourself. Holy Spirit, help me to praise God the Father. Well, we sing and we make music. Secondly, we give thanks. I think I've been very convicted about this recently. I think I, thought, I have thought somewhere in my, my mind that giving thanks to the Lord is about being polite, that God has given us so many lovely things and we should say thank you, the kind of spiritual equivalent of a little thank you note. But this is much more than this. I don't think the Spirit was given to make us polite and help us mind our P's and Q's. This is about a mindset shift. Because when we give thanks always and about everything, we're acknowledging that God is the source of everything and that he's a good source of everything. He's in control and we are not. And that's a great mindset to have. One of the repeated problems of Israel in the desert was they grumbled. Do you remember, read through some of the books of Exodus and Numbers, they just grumble all the time. And as they grumble, they're saying, God, you're not good enough. You've forgotten us. You've forgotten to give us good things. Whereas Thanksgiving says, Lord, you are enough for me. I know that you will be with me. And help me with everything I need. Not that it makes everything wonderfully, magically good. We give thanks, I take it, as we at the same time cry out, Lord, how long? Sometimes with tears in our eyes. But it helps us to remember that he is our heavenly father who cares for us. And the spirit gives us that perspective. Well, we, we sing, we give thanks. And then third, we submit to one another. 
I wonder if you think of this as a mark of the Spirit. I wonder if we sometimes think of Spirit-filled leaders as kind of gung-ho, go-get-them pioneer types who, who don't really care what anyone else thinks. But actually, the Holy Spirit-enabled uh, person is able to appropriately submit to others. I take it that means a work of the Holy Spirit is that we together submit to one another, forgo our preferences for the sake of each other. That I don't worry so much what I want. You don't worry so much about what you want. We're able to kind of compromise for the sake of the church. And think in Ephesians how important the united church is. We're the center of God's plan for the universe. And so we need to be united. But it is so hard. I want what I want. And you want what you want. Well, thank God the Holy Spirit's given so that we can submit to one another. And as we'll go and see in the next few, we'll, we'll have a little break next week, uh, and Jay's going to bring us another series. But as we pick up Ephesians, Ephesians again, we'll see how this works in the context of the family and the workplace. That the Holy Spirit helps us to do what is not natural, to, to lay down ourselves and submit to someone else. Well, do you see, as the Holy Spirit fills us, he enables us to be the people we are, to speak and to sing the truth to each other, to build the church up, to be united, contented, full of thanks, to be a church that's able to forgo our preferences for the sake of others. And as he fills us, we are very attractive to the world around. And as we shine the light of the gospel, God's plan is that others will come in. Well, in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray that he will fill us individually and together. But before I pray, let's just spend a moment thinking, are there ways we're not living carefully, that frankly we've fallen off the balance bar? Maybe there are ways that we're not opening up all the doors of our house to the Spirit, perhaps even grieving him. And if there are, let's cry out and say, help me, Lord. Help me to be filled with the Spirit and to live wisely. Just a moment, and then I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we prayed earlier, Spirit, search our hearts, and we long that he would search our hearts and show us any way which is unpleasing in your sight. And then we pray, Father, fill us. Fill us with your Spirit that we might be the people you have made us, that we might live as the church you have made us to be. So, Father, convict us where we're not using our time well or we're not walking wisely, that we might, by the Spirit, put that to death and walk well, in light with the reality of the universe as you've made it. And we pray, Father, that that would bring great glory to you, and that that would shine light into the world around, that others too might come in. So please, for your glory's sake, fill us and equip us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it seems fitting now that we recite the Nicene Creed.